You are listening to listening to listening to listening to First Gen Teachers of Lens. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of First Gen Teacher Lens. In this episode, I talk with teacher out in Queens. It goes by the name of Angel. He is a pre-K teacher. He also is a queer person of color. And he talks about, you know, navigating his identity as a teacher with his students. So stay tuned. Don't forget to like and subscribe for the First Gen Teacher Lens podcast. And I hope to hear from you soon. Peace. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the First Gen Teacher Lens. We're back with another episode. I've been staggering episodes to find more Latinx guests for the podcast. On today's episode, I have Angel, who is another or a fellow Latinx teacher who teaches in the city as well, just like myself. In this episode, we're going to talk about how he incorporates his identity within the classroom. Angel, here you are to introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Angel, or aka Mr. Angel in the classroom. And, you know, I identify as a queer person of color and I am a pre K teacher. So shout out to any fellow pre-K teachers out there. Um, yeah, so um, when you reached out, I was curious, you know, with, uh, you know, I teach older grades. I substituted for younger grades. Never pre-K, though. <laughs> A kudos to you guys because I, I personally couldn't do it. Uh, it's a lot of it's a lot more intimate care with the younger kids in terms of like navigating uh, like hygiene from what I learned from when I was like in uh substituting but I'll go through four questions and uh you know I want to hear your your voice and then you you speak to your identity within the classroom but before we get to that um what was your experience with Latinx teachers growing up because as you know my podcast is a voice for the Latinx teachers and honestly there's not that many of us out there so what what's your own personal experience well i mean growing up uh, aside from my home life i wasn't really exposed to any like um, poc teachers so it was very um it took an impact on me just because i was a very shy kid growing up spanish was my first language so being put in an environment where the teacher didn't look like me or understood me was very challenging so i tend i was able i was um more shy and i really didn't speak up so I wasn't really exposed to many, you know, Latinx teachers. Uh, I do love my teachers, though. Like, they all left an impact on me. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it was hard to not see myself represented in the classroom. It wasn't until, I think, high school that I had two Spanish teachers. And one of them turned out to be Salvadoran, just like me. Uh-huh. So that was so cool to, like, be able to be seen, represented, and communicate with somebody. It was just unfortunate that. It took all those years for me to 
you know, feel included and seen. Um, I think it would have helped me more come out of my shell to see more Latin teachers out there. I mean, nowadays you see more than compared to before in the 90s where it was primarily like white teachers. Uh, most of my teachers were white. So, you know, it was right. a little sad. <laughs> no, right. You're still talking about, you know, these issues. And then it's only gotten worse because you look at the news nowadays with uh, part of it, inflation, right? Teacher mm-hmm. salaries are not, like, I always see this meme about, like, house was valued at, like, 60K in the 90s or 70, 80. Teacher salary, 60K. And then, you know, house nowadays, it's, like, uh, 400, 500, right? Yeah. Due to inflation, right? It, it fluctuates and changes. And, like, a lot of POC teachers are leaving or POC uh, students are not even looking in this field because of the problems that it has with being paid, you know, being valued, being lauded. Um, and it is a sad experience because it's still a very present and in that way of, like, you know, whitewash education or educators. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shift gears to uh, my second question. How did you find yourself in the educational field? Because I, I know I've done this for a while. I found that different people have different ways on how, oh, this is how I became a teacher. How did you yourself become one? For me, it was a total accident. <laughs> like, I did want to work with children at a very young age, like when I was in high school and college. I, so I always wanted to work with kids, but not really going to teaching. Um, in college, I pursued human services to become a family social worker. Um, my family, my mom actually inspired me because as a young girl, she was abandoned by her mom. And so my uncle, her older brother, raised her. And so she calls him dad. We call him grandfather. And that experience kind of inspired me to pursue social work because I didn't want, I wanted to like help other children. I wanted to like be that person who could potentially like heal a family or find a forever family for that child. So that's why I pursued that. But in those classes in college, I realized that it would require so much emotional. Um, it was too emotional for me. Okay. Say. Because learning about like what you have to do in the field, going to these homes, Sometimes you even have to separate families or kids because they're not in a stable home. I just didn't think that I had the heart to do that. And I just didn't think it was right for me. So I hit a point where I was like, okay, I want to work with children. What do I do? And right. I was still struggling to find that out in college and I needed a job. So I started looking for jobs and I stumbled into working at a school for an after school program. Mm-hmm. And it was only like three hours a day, Monday to Friday. And that's when I really got my feet wet. And after that, I realized I really did love working with students. So I started as an assistant and then I became a lead. And then I even helped in the admin team at the after school program. And then I realized like I needed to further pursue this feeling of happiness, of like genuine like happiness of being in the classroom and teaching these kids new things. So that's when I started looking for a more day job with teaching. 
and I applied to a subbing agency. And from there on, I, I think I subbed for a couple weeks and that's when the door opened to my current job at a pre-K center. So I started subbing there for a couple weeks and they really liked how I worked and they hired me as a permanent sub and then months went by and then they hired me as a permanent teacher for the school year. And that's how like four years later, I'm still there. So that's kind of like my process of how I stumbled into it. It wasn't always the plan, but I really did fall in love with this um, grade level just because at this age, the students really absorb everything and they're so smart and their eagerness to learn and drive is what like still keeps me there to this day. So, yeah. No, that's, that's great. You and I have, in terms of the after school, so I started more the traditional route where mm -hmm. I was an M major and, and then I didn't want to do subbing at first because you're always on call and those rare instances where they keep calling you back and then you're a permanent sub. That was my yeah. biggest fear that I wasn't going to get called and, you know, with student loans, all the stuff coming yeah. at you. I was like nervous. So I started similarly like you did where I was with um, an after school program. I had my certification and everybody's saying, how come you don't sub? I was like, because I want to be in a school every day. That's where I thought I can get my feet wet, as you were saying, more so. Mm -hmm. And it does build experience because like, a lot of stuff that they teach you in like in in school doesn't apply like to the actual field. Like you and I were talking before this uh, episode. Oh, how's your day going? Kid threw up in my classroom. Yeah. <laughs> and like you never prepare for that moment. And like you got to have a calm clue collected head um you know but it does really help you find yourself in the field um and to our bread and butter topics so i'm curious you know you as a, a queer male right with these primary grades right how do you blend your identity within the classroom because we all know that students uh more so at certain ages especially my kids mm -hmm. uh know who they are at that age that it's more blossomed more filtered out um where right. students are realizing all right this is who i am you know even my students this is like preferences that i ha ha like etc but how do you for those younger kids blend your own identity well it's a little um hard just because you know you're their they're their teacher you know right. they learn things from home but as a QPOC, like, I do feel like I have a responsibility to create like a safe and nurturing environment for my students, a place where they could come and they can express themselves and not feel judged. Um, and I do that in several different ways, you know, um, talking about like my Latin culture, like I do speak Spanish. I sing in Spanish to these kids. I teach them quick little phrases. And by the end of the year, they already know like simple, quick phrases in Spanish, which makes me so proud that I'm passing my culture on in that way, you know? And they really love it. And they're, like I said earlier, they're so eager to learn that they love learning new things every day. So they're always like, okay, I want to learn something else. Or like, I know how to say this. Or they go home saying like, hola, you know? And even those little things is what makes me proud. Um, to touch on like, I guess the queer side of things. I also like, tackle the whole concept of gender norms 
you know that's a big thing in pre-k um i think it's gotten a little better in today's society with the whole gender norms thing but it's not completely gone there's still like those staple like you know boys like blue girls like pink type of thing that still happens um so what i try to do is i i try to break those gender norms and promote like acceptance and make sure that everybody feels accepted and like welcome and in my classroom our students they learn through play a lot so they learn these social skills and social emotional skills through playing and interacting with each other and I really try my best to like make sure that when they're in a specific center because they play in different areas different centers of the classroom so one of the popular one is the dramatic area dramatic play area where it's usually a kitchen or like a restaurant or something and mostly all the girls run to it and sometimes the boys go and play there but the girls I've seen a lot like well, why are you here you know only girls can cook I've, I've heard these um, things and so I step uh... in at that point and I'm like no it's okay like you know little Jimmy can play here because he has an idea of how to cook I don't know a pie or a cupcake you know and then they just look at me like, okay, come and play, you know. So that's a little bit of what I do. Or when w- girls want to be like firefighters or mm. cops and the boys are like, oh, no, only boys can do that. And I just step in again. And I'm like, you know, no, it's okay. We could all be whoever we want to be. Um, little Amy can be a firefighter if she wants to. You know, and I try to have those conversations while they're playing. And they try to like, understand me and you know we hit a point where they're okay let's play together and they could be whatever they want and so that helps them in the long run because it sets up it sets them up for the future so they can see that they can be whatever they want to be right and they can play and do whatever they want to um i also do include like different pictures of like community helpers and different like different genders that look like them so that way they can see okay this is normal this is like okay you know and they don't have to feel like i'm doing something wrong or you know i'm different or i feel not safe in this classroom i don't want to come to school um so i try to do that i also remember once for valentine's day i wore a pink hoodie just because we were able to wear like you know red or pink so i was like you know let me wear my pink hoodie and let me go to class and one of my girls was like, oh, Mr. Angel, why are you wearing pink? Pink is for girls. And I was like, no, like pink is for everyone. Just like you like blue, I can like pink, you know. And those little things is what I feel goes a long way for them because they're starting to understand like colors for everybody. Just because I like pink doesn't mean I'm a girl, you know, little things like that. And, you know, we go about our day and just it was normal from that day on and um let's see i also i'm a very i'm very big on disney and most of the kids nowadays like love the disney princesses and singing the songs and in pre-k all we do is sing all day (laughs) so it makes it fun and i think that my students really love um elsa from frozen oh yeah and i know the words and so i'm singing with them and they were like wait but that's a princess. Why are you singing? You're so silly. And I'm just like, no, it's okay. Like, I can like Elsa, you know, and I know the songs. And then they were like, okay, Mr. Angel, and let's keep singing. And then we're just like 
singing. So I like to create like a a positive environment where right. anybody can like whatever they want. Anybody can dress up however they want. And that's how I really try to do my part in it all, you know? No, that's that's good because by the time they reach, I want to say me, mm-hmm. there are these, there's already these set gender norms, right? Like, for example, the kitchen um, concept that you gave, right? But we know yeah. there's chefs out there. Yeah. Males and females, right? Um, Hugh Gordon Ramsay. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, I like that you're deconstructing that, that idea of gender norms at that age because, you know, these kind of uh, certified quote-unquote norms, right, heteronormative mm-hmm. norms are embedded with these kids when they reach the, uh, you know, adolescence. And, like, we all yeah. know that can be negative to the community at large, especially, like, you know, um, us being from POC cultures, right, that's heavily... Right looked at upon as a negative but slowly changing so i i like how you're blending your your identity through hands-on activities because it really like i remember i remember that like uh when i was in primary school like those little games like kitchen Mm -hmm. or like house right that those would be those stereotypical gender roles and like Mm -hmm. it's definitely we know now that like you know it, it fluctuates um yeah and then just just some ideas i think you threw out some out there but for my for my final question what are some ideas that teachers at you know grades like you know your grade up until like fifth grade can engage your students in these topics these topics mm-hmm. of identity right um i've seen it done at the level from you mentioned disney which sparked an interest mm-hmm. the the little shorts um yeah. they they have some that like do tackle this there's one where uh there's a queer couple so mm-hmm. i was like oh that would be a good lesson just to but do you have any other insights uh besides the ones that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh that they can engage their students yeah i mean i think books are your best friend there's so many yeah. books out there that show different families, that show different kinds of students, you know, with disabilities or just, you know, students of color. So there's so many books out there that can really help you in the classroom, especially at this age group, because they, like I said, they love learning and they love seeing it and they're very visual. Um, And so we have a lot of books in the classroom that showcase different kinds of families or about a book about like what makes you unique and different kinds of students like with their unique hair or unique abilities or whatever the case may be so I think books are definitely your best friend um I think just like having conversations with them I think a lot of people do underestimate kids at this age because yeah. they're so young and, and they they are so smart and I, this, in these past four years, I've seen it, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen how they retain information. I see how they explore things from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. You see their growth. You see how they could come with like, oh, only girls like pink. But by the end of the year, they're like, you know, we're all um, unique and we all could like whatever we want to. And you see that growth. So just having a conversation with them, right. just talking about. You know, we're all unique or we all come from different families and that is okay. 
just right. using that word like that is okay creates such a safe space for them and they feel so welcome and at the end of the day when they're in the classroom it's like their second home you know mm-hmm. and the last thing we want is for students to like say I don't want to go to school or like I don't like school you know there's usually a reason why and just promoting um, inclusiveness and like acceptance goes a long way I think um, like the shorts that you mentioned we've shown shorts like that in class um, we also sing songs about being unique stuff like that that really gets them interested but you know there's so many different things out there but those are the tools that I've used in my classroom right. that I've seen have helped a lot and just showing pictures of all different genders and the different um, occupations, you know, that helps too, because they see themselves. So, yeah. That's, that's very good practices. So books, shorts, right. Multimedia Mm -hmm. um, images, because uh, sometimes I feel, I think what you're, you're saying is that, you know, images are captivating, right? Mm -hmm. So if they, like, as you said, the kids see themselves in this image or even like just thinking about like you know maybe bringing these people in talking about the different layers that's mm-hmm. that's even like impactful and you hit an interesting point right a lot of people do doubt the intelligence of kids yeah. at that age you know even at the younger stages because you know you think oh like they're learning basic foundational skills there's no deeper cognitive processes going on mm-hmm. no there is Sometimes Mm -hmm. they do question a lot of things and they do have uh, the wherewithal in them to kind of absorb it and think in a new aspect. So I really appreciate you talking about the ways that teachers can engage, you know, whether it be, you know, gender norms uh, in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, heteronormative norms or queer norms, right? How we're navigating these spaces to make it a better society because you're right at yeah. the end of the day we're at these places these schools more than our homes and yeah. it's a, during the school year um and like it is the second home so you want to develop this welcoming space for every and all students who represent different types of cultures right. um uh i guess i got another question uh where yeah. can people find you in terms of uh like you know like if they want to reach out oh hey you gave some resources that I like mm-hmm. what what are your thoughts about this where can people find you uh, i'm mostly active on instagram so um i can people can find me there el salvador <laughs> that's my instagram i guess if you could like post it somewhere uh, sure that'd be great yeah, I'll, I'll tag you uh so uh, you know if you do have questions for angel uh, it's uh, I'll I'll post his Instagram on there. You can ask some more questions because I definitely, when I was developing these questions, I had questions about how to engage these students within you know this ident two ident identity lens. Um, mm-hmm. I want to thank you for being a guest on the first gen teacher lens, and um, I hope to do another episode with you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great. And yeah, anybody who has any questions or wants, you know, just a conversation, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. And I'm more than happy to like, connect and network with other teachers and stuff. Thanks a lot, Angel. All right, have a good one. And if you didn't already, like and subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, First Gen Teacher Lens. Thanks so much.
Thank you for having listened to the first, first gen, gen teacher's, teacher's list. list. We'll see you here next time.